Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 20, Not a Great Idea. So, uh... A little clarification, not a great idea, is not necessarily referring to buying and investing in AMC. Okay, we'll start off there. Um, But you never know. Some days, it doesn't seem like such a great idea. You know, when it's down and you feel like the stock's being manipulated and you don't feel like the SEC is going to do anything about it. I think that's the hardest thing is that, you know, when you're a victim of a crime, you... You feel that, you feel, um, you know, you feel terrible, right? But then when the law enforcement, the people that are supposed to be enforcing the laws and stopping the bad guys, when they don't do anything, when they don't help you, you feel even worse. And that's how I feel. Now, I don't personally know what the SEC is doing. Maybe they're doing stuff behind the scenes. Maybe there's stuff they can't comment on. But right now... That looks and appears the same as them doing nothing. And a lot of people have posted that when these people commit these crimes and make millions, billions of dollars, and the only penalty is a fine that's a fraction of what they made and they get to keep everything, at that point when your agency gets the fine, like they say in these memes, that's not a fine. That's not a punishment. That's a cut. And... I don't know. It's very hard. Um, We did finish green on Friday. You know, I'll take it. Even if it's a little bit, it still feels better than being red. It's still moving in the right direction. A long, long way to go. A long way to go. Um, And if they're manipulating it, they're purposely doing it to wear people out and frustrate them. You know, it's working. It is frustrating that there's a reason. Am I selling it? No. Last time I checked, I bought a couple shares a couple days ago. So it's not working in that regard. It's not forcing me to sell. If anything, it helps me buy because the price is lower. How can you resist? How can you resist? But the thing for me is it is frustrating in a sense that you feel, I feel like my life has been on hold since I started this. From that high of, you know, I started investing, you know, in the low 30s, right before, a couple days before it jumped. And, you know, from that high and then kind of the plateau even of being in the 50s, like being like, oh, when's it going to go? It's just sitting in the 50s. It's just sitting in the 50s. How nice it would be to be sitting in the 50s right now. Trust me. Trust me. And who knows? God help me. There's ever a day where I say, Oh, how nice would it be to be sitting in the 30s? But regardless, as they say in The Godfather, this is the life we have chosen. (laughs) We're apes. And at this point, who knows if this is manipulation, if this is just the natural way of the stock. Doubt that. But here we are, and it's frustrating. So, a couple of things, how I've dealt with my frustration at this point. Um... We, you know, obviously we made a big financial commitment to invest in AMC. Now, a lot of that is my Roth 
IRA, which I can't touch for seven years. That's not a big deal. I've got my regular 401k, which is the vast majority of my retirement. This is The Roth is just a small, small portion of that retirement that I set up. And I can't touch that for seven years in any way. So that's not a big deal. But we did, we wanted to be able to ha have access to some of this AMC tendies now if it did pop. And because it's gone on for so long, we have been able to pick up shares along the way as we could afford it. So we have a decent little piece of just individual um, investor account shares that we can cash in now. Obviously, we have to pay taxes on those as opposed to the Roth IRA. But still, uh, we would have instant access to that money it, when AMC goes to the moon and we sell our shares at 100K, right? Going to 100K still? We'll see. Um, but it's frustrating. And I feel like everything's just been on hold and like stuff happens around the house or we need things done. And I'm always saying, well, wait, we, Scott, we got to wait for AMC. We got to see how AMC turns out. And you can't keep saying that because who knows how long this will go on. Could be months. Could be a year. And we're willing to wait for life-changing money. I'm willing to wait as long as we can financially afford our um, our investment right now, our position, we can wait. But I have to move on. So a couple things on that front. Um, the first is, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much I've talked about this on the podcast. Um, when COVID hit and in the fall, in the spring, spring and summer, it wasn't so bad. You know, spring 2020. Summer 2020, not big deal. We had a couple of kids running around at home while my wife and I worked from home. And we dealt with it. Um, but once the fall hit and my son had to go to first grade and do it all remotely, and my wife or myself had to sit with them, we just could not make that work with working full time. We tried it. We tried doing 12-hour days and taking um, time off from our work to sit with him and we would switch off, you know, in the afternoon. It wasn't going it wasn't working. I wasn't particularly happy with my job at the time and I was ready for um, perhaps a different take on work and I had been an Instacart shopper years ago to earn money for a computer. I was still active on the rolls and I told my wife, "Look, you go back to your normal schedule. Um, I'll sit with our son all day." And at night and on the weekends, I can do Instacart to make up for, you know, the, the money we're losing from my paycheck. It won't be perfect, but it'll be something. And also keep in mind, we weren't paying for daycare anymore for two kids. Um, so that helped our expenses. We were still taking on credit card debt, trying to keep things going, but we, were, we could survive. Well, anyway, um, now that the kids are going back to school in the fall, I've looked into getting... Um, a job, a new job. Now, I would love it if AMC went to the moon and we were able to sell these shares at a high enough rate that I could basically retire. That I would need my, I would have enough in my Roth IRA to retire for sure in seven years. But then we would need enough in the individual accounts to get us through those seven years. With either, say, my wife still working full time because our health care is through her. Or, you know, depending on what they sell for, maybe we both could retire for the seven years and then, then the Roth kicks in. And that would have been the dream. But that didn't happen. 
and we don't know when it can happen. So I started, you know, looking for jobs. Um, and what you know, it's funny when I, I I'm the I'm the got to do it now. Everything has to happen now. I'm the you know the go fever guy. It's got to go, got to happen, got to do it now. I want it, you know, it's going to happen quick. And my wife is very much, you know, these things take time. You just need to wait. You're not going to hear from these people for a while. Relax. So I applied for one job in the morning, and then by the afternoon, I got a call from the um, the uh, director of business development, and she wanted to talk to me about this position. So, you know, we, we had a nice chat. It turns out we both had been with Disney. I think that's what really jumped out at her. Um, and, you know, she recognizes, you know, the qualities of the Disney company and the employees of the Disney company. And I, I think hopefully that tick, the Disney name carries a lot of weight. And I'm very proud to be associated with it. And it really was the great, um, in my career, it was the great privilege of my career to be a, to be a part of the Walt Disney Company. That'll be the, the one thing I take to the grave. And I hope my kids talk about that my dad worked for Disney. I got my plaque for being there 10 years. Wish it was 15 or 20. It's funny, I see a lot of my coworkers now posting their their 20-year anniversaries. And uh, I'm a little bit jealous, although by moving to Oregon, we were able to do a lot more things than we could have done in Southern California. However, um, it was nice that she reached out to me so quickly because that's my, that's the way I operate. You know, if you like something, you go. And we had a good talk and um, I think they're going to try to, you know, bring me in for an interview next week. So who knows, you know, if, if things keep progressing, maybe next week or maybe the week after that, I might have a new job. And I'm going, you know, back to the workforce, back to an office um, for the first time. Back to the office would be since March 2020, because I in March 2020, at my last job, we started working remotely because of COVID, and then I left in October. So it'll be almost a year before I had a, you know, office type job, and then you know, even before that, actually going to the office. So that'll be strange, going back. Um, I've enjoyed this, you know, if you want to call it a break um, in my life of, you know, having a little more time with my kids and, you know, doing Instacart and having a little more control and flexibility with your work life. But financially, you know, we need to have that steady check coming in. And also, you know, Instacart weekends are very big earning days for Instacart. So a lot of times I would work on the weekend. So it'd be nice to have my weekends back with my family. So we'll see how that goes. Um, now here's where the not a great idea <laughs> comes in. So I mentioned I started this Kickstarter for the Velf Every Room, which is my invention. It's a vertical Velcro shelf. And it had been, I had submitted it to SureTape, the makers of Duck Brand Duct Tape, um, back in June 2020. Turns out they were actually interested in it and they've been looking at it, they've been looking at it for over a year. And I would check in with them periodically just to make sure they were still interested. And they say, yep, we're still looking at it. We're doing research on, you know, home organization. And we're, you know, we think it might fit in with our research and have a place. I'm like, okay, all right. And I trusted them. And I didn't do anything else because they were the company. I wanted them to, you know, buy this idea, give me a royalty. And then I would just sit back. And every three months, that big fat royalty check would come in. And I wouldn't have to do anything else for the rest of my life. But then finally, the last time I reached out um, uh, a few weeks ago, the 
product development director said, listen, you know, it's two years away from us even coming out with a product on this. And that's if we come out with it. He said, I really think you need to take it to other places because, you know, it's just, it's not going to go anywhere here anytime soon. So I would, I thought about what I could do and I wasn't really excited about going into another waiting game by submitting it to companies. And I had a lot of ideas that I had developed over that year while I was waiting for SureTape to make a decision and how you would sell it and how, you know, the you know, how to revise the product. And so I decided, all right, you know what? I'm going to start a Kickstarter. I'm going to take it directly to the public and just see if there's any interest there and maybe have a little more control of the situation. So I launched my Kickstarter. I, I, my, my plan was um, to create like 10 of these videos on YouTube for a channel called Do It Yourself Velf. And it's like a do it's a you know do it yourself how you can do different things with the Velf, how you can convert off-the-shelf 3M command products instead of using their self-adhesive, you use Velcro and then you can use the product again and again just by taking it off the Velf and putting it on another Velf, or you can change applications and it's so simple. You just take it on and off. It does not get any simpler than using Velcro. That's why they make kids' shoes, shoelaces out of Velcro so they can do their shoes. It's that simple. So I, I started my Kickstarter, um, and of course, nobody, right off the bat, nobody backed it. Because I hadn't developed a social, you know, network. And I wasn't going to go out to my friends and family on Facebook and say, support my Kickstarter. It's like, if this product's going to work, it's not just your friends and family that have to support it. You've got to get the public behind your idea, you know. And I thought, that's it. I'm not going to just go to friends and family on Facebook. I'm going to just go cold to the public. Because um, I didn't want to spend months developing a social media network and then launching it. And I wanted people, when they um, when I saw it, when they saw these YouTube clips I was making, I wanted them, if they wanted to actually buy it, they could act. Like, there's that impulse, you know, an impulse buy. When you see something, you know, you just you just start going, and before you know it, you've bought it. And maybe a day later, you think the better of it, but it's too late. You've already bought it, right? I didn't want somebody to see it, really like it, sign up to be notified when the Kickstarter site went live, and two months later, it goes live, and they're like, meh, meh, I don't even, you know, they might not even remember it, right? So, but the price I paid for that is there wasn't a big onslaught of people interested in the Velf when it went live, and there wasn't. Um, it sat there. One person pledged a dollar, but that company always pledges a dollar to every project, so it doesn't. Ha so no project is sitting there with zero dollars pledged to it. So it's technically it's not really a backer. It is, but it's not. Um, so the site was actually getting a little bit of traffic. People were looking at it, but you know I didn't know who exactly was looking at it. And the biggest thing was they weren't backing it. No backers. No real backers. And I thought, okay, I've, I've run Facebook ads in the past. And I said, okay, I'll run a Facebook ad for it and see how that goes with a little more traffic. More people are looking at it and they still don't support it. If they still don't back it, you know, then, then maybe I'm looking at, you know, what they used to call AMC at Dead Cat. Like this thing just isn't going to go or it's going to take a lot more than a Facebook ad and a Kickstarter to get it going. Okay. So I decided to run a Facebook ad. Now, I don't know how much you know about Facebook advertising. One of the good things about Facebook ads, and maybe one of the bad things too, is that you can target people. 
So I set up my ad, and I wasn't sure if men or women would like this product more, so I set it up for both men and women. I did put an age on there um, of around 20 to maybe 54, because I didn't think anybody too old would want it, and I didn't think anybody too young would really be into it. But, you know, if you were in a dorm, an apartment, or you had a home, you might, you know, be interested in it. So those are the age parameters and gender parameters that I set up around the ad. Now, the first big thing was they had to like Kickstarter. So you can type in Kickstarter as an interest. And only people that on their Facebook pages, you know, say they like Kickstarter is going to see this ad. So if they see it, they know what Kickstarter is. So when they go to my Kickstarter, they don't like, well, what's Kickstarter? I don't know what this is and not do anything with it. So they're familiar with Kickstarter. That's the first criteria. Now, above that, those same Kickstarter people have to like do-it-yourself projects. Now, I was really hoping there would be a Velcro option. The people that were really into Velcro, I could target them. However, when I typed in Velcro, nothing came up. And then I typed in like 3M command strips too, nothing came up. So I'm like, crap. That's what I was hoping for because I really wanted to target people that were into Velcro. Didn't happen. So... Um, I did, I did do it yourself, and then I think I also targeted like home organization uh, because it's really an organizing tool as well. And so, it, so they had to like Kickstarter. Those people also had to like do it yourself, and then those people also had to like home organization. So those were my parameters for the ad, and I set it for a budget about $100. A day so it wouldn't go nuts so if a million people clicked it I would know a thousand dollars that if it did go wild the most I'd be charged for that day is a hundred bucks and I could stop it but really I would I never planned to actually spend a hundred dollars I wanted to run this ad for a few hours and see what the reaction was do people even clicked on it sometimes you run an ad for something and nobody clicks on it and immediately you know after an hour or two you stop it because it's just it's useless but you also understand nobody's clicking on this ad for whatever reason um, and then if people are clicking on it, then you know it's working and you can keep going it. But then you can see, well, who's clicking on it? Is it the men clicking on it more than the women? Well, now you know you've got a product that appeals to men. Is there an age? Are people that, you know, over 30 clicking on it and people under 30 aren't? Well, now you know to target people over 30. Um, so my pro this VELF was kind of gearing towards people, um, men, um, or, you know, around 30 to 50. So if I go forward with another ad, that's who I'm going to target, men from 30 to 50. That might be my audience. Now, here's the other thing. People people did click on it. Um, it basically, it ran, and I think uh, about, about 3,700 people clicked or saw it, right? And of those 3,700 people, 78 clicked on it. Now, that comes down to a ratio of about for every people that saw this ad for the Velf Every Room, one person clicked on it to actually go to the Kickstarter. So here's the thing. The big question is, did anybody actually back the project from, you know, the, the Kickstarter? Now, last night, initially when I looked at it, no, nobody had. So I immediately stopped running the ad because... Quite frankly, I'm not. It wasn't working. Enough people had looked at it, and maybe if one or two people had backed it at the time, I might keep it running. It really depends on a cost. You know, is it worth paying for the ads? You know, again, we talked about it. You want to do an invention, 
and you want to make you want to make you know a small fortune with your invention start with a large fortune and it's like how much money you know are you going to spend $50 in Facebook ads to sell $10 of your product now in the beginning launching a, a business a lot of times you do have to pay money in order to get that business up and going you do have to pay for that business and then hopefully once you're established you can keep a, you know reoccurring income coming in but in the beginning it's hard you know what you call it pay to play or it you know it takes a little money to get some skin in the game but again you know financially for me we just don't have a lot of you know cash resources right now we have a little bit to try things but not anything where i can spend thousands of dollars on facebook ads you know, and maybe break even or just trying to create the brand. Like that's part of our strategy. I just don't have cash to burn like that. So anyway, so I, 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 it, I got charged about 50 bucks for all the clicks um, that I got, which was about, um, you know, I don't know, not quite a, a dollar a click, a little, little, little less than a dollar a click. Um, now, the other thing I noticed was nobody, I didn't get a lot of comments there wasn't a lot of action on it. And this is when I, before I went to bed, I checked on it and I canceled, I, I stopped running the ad so I wouldn't get charged anymore. It wouldn't, it takes a little while. Once you cancel your ad, it does take a little bit of time before it actually finally, you know, cancels out for sure because it can't just stop on a dime. So it, it was, it kept running a little bit after I canceled it and I went to bed. And then, of course, I, you know, woke up kind of in the middle of the night and, and I wanted to go just check on my stats and see where I was at. So I can look on my Facebook alerts and I saw that somebody had commented on the ad and they're like, uh-oh, what's this going to be? All right. You never know if somebody's going to say, this is awesome. This is great. Or some snarky, you know, person that's, you know, makes a really nasty comment about your product or about you. You never know. Right. So I, so I go see the ad and um, let's see, I'll actually go to the comment right now. So this person, uh, let's see, da, da, da. Um, okay, so I'm going to, this person's, if you go to uh, Velf Every Room on Facebook, you can, you can see this, uh, but the comment, it was from a Gina, and Gina said, so I have to put scratchy Velcro on the backside of my remote. Not a great idea, hence the title for this podcast. Not a great idea. It will snag my pockets and be scratchy on my stuff in my purse and phone, etc. Hmm. So that was her post. I'm like, great. And um, I think somebody shared that post. But that was it. Not a lot. It didn't exactly go viral, as the kids like to say. <laughs> but... You know, there's no, you know, you heard the adage, there's there's no such thing as bad publicity. It's like, hey, somebody reacted to your product, right? And I thought, well, what can I do with this, right? So I think the, the biggest thing is, is whenever you see a, a company reacting to a situation, it's nice to see them be gracious, have a sense of humor about it, um, and not be, obviously not be jerks or snippy. So I wrote, I wrote, actually replied to Gina. And I, um, my response was, uh, let's see, um, let me read my response. Um, Gina, contact me at velveveryroom at yahoo.com and I will send you a Velf free sample and let you try it out. A key fob requires just a tiny piece of Velcro to stick, so you hardly notice it. 
Plus, you don't have to use it on your key fob or remotes directly. You can use hooks and bins to help keep items elevated out of the daily clutter of life and highly visible on your wall for easy access and return. Thank you for your comment, and I hope you will give the VELF a try. Russell Quarry. So I posted that, and I, you know, obviously it was only like um, an hour ago, so and it's in the middle of the night, so she hasn't replied to that. But then I, I also, when I went to my actual Kickstarter site, I had a backer. Somebody backed it. They got the early bird special. Um, there's only 10 of those. And somebody grabbed one, and it felt really good. It was like a big burst of, of energy. It's kind of like going green, um, going on like a $2 rip. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the moon. It's only one backer, right? It's only a couple bucks, but it feels great, and you take it. You say, this is the right direction it needs to go. And if it keeps going, you keep getting these backers in, maybe there's something here. But at least I got one, a real backer, you know, someone who actually, you know, paid to back this project. So, uh, so my goal was to raise two hundred dollars, and and now I'm like uh, I think forty four dollars into my goal. So I still have a little bit of ways to go to actually reach my goal. The good thing about this product is everything's off the shelf, and I can I could have set my you know my goal for fifty bucks, um, and I would have met my goal, and I could have you know sent these out. Um, I did 200 to make it a little more realistic. I wasn't sure if Kickstarter was going to, you know, not approve my project because they didn't think I'd set my goal high enough. Anyway, regardless of that, um, in Kickstarters in the past, a lot of times I would be very interactive with my backers. And if they, you know, like, especially like the first backer, um, instead, and instead of just writing a comment, big thanks to my first backer, I'd kind of like either take a picture of the product with a note on it. So I decided to do that. I would take a picture of a VELF with a message center on it, and I would write on a sticky note, you know, thank you to Kenneth, who's, you know, in the first backer. And that way they, you know, using the actual product to thank the backer. So if somebody sees that update, they can see the product a little more. And it's a little more engaging than just, you know, writing thank you. So I did that. And as I was taking this picture, I thought, hey, I should take a picture like this for Gina. Because she, the picture she saw in the ad was three key fobs lying flat on the Velf, and they're stuck on there with a little bit of Velcro. You can't see the Velcro because it's on the, the side, but they're just floating there. And she made the assumption, I don't know how big a piece she thought was on there, but um, she just thought, well, that's how you use it, and that's it. That's the end of story. Not a great idea. Terrible idea, the Velf. Who thought of this? Fire them. Well, anyway, I, so I decided I would take a picture of Virginia, and this time, like I mentioned, I, there's hooks, there's bins you can attach to the Velf, and you can put stuff in those hooks um, in the bins or hang them on the hooks. So you never have to put Velcro actually on your product. That you can use these applications, put the Velcro on those, and now you don't have to put Velcro on everything you own in order to use the Velf. So I set it up, I put a little bin up there, put a couple of key fobs in the bin, and then I put a hook up and put a key, one of the key fobs on the hook. And then I put a clothespin, which I use for you know messages and notes, and I put a little sticky note and it says, give me a try, Gina. And then, um, I wrote her, I wrote back with that, and I put that picture up there as a response to her. Um, and I also wrote back uh, Gina. The great thing about the VELF is it gives you options. And all the options you see here on this VELF, meaning the bin, the hooks, will be yours if you just give it a chance. And you won't have to put one piece of Velcro 
on a key fob to use any of these, Russell. And then I gave her my email, and I also mentioned, you know, send me a Facebook message. So if she wants her free valve, I'm going to give her the, these attachments as well so she can use her key fobs or whatever she wants with them. Now, whether she'll ever follow up with that, I don't know. But at least if you're, you know, seeing this ad, then you see you see the response and hopefully people see it's being very gracious. You know, someone made a comment about the product and you're saying, hey, I'll give you a sample. You try it out and tell me what you think that I'm that confident and how, you know, what the product is. And again, she brought up like, well, I don't want to put Velcro on my key fobs. And the response was, with the Velcro, you don't have to. You can put it on your applications. So I got to I gotta admit, I was pretty down. We, I'd set everything up and watched it all day and like no backers, no response. Then I set up a Facebook ad. And it takes time for the Facebook ad to get approved and start running. Um, and I noticed, I did see, I was aware of it when it started to run. And what's great is you can run the analytics on it and you can actually, little dots will pop up on a map and you can see where people are engaging with your Kickstarter or whatever you know website you want them to go to. You can set up a tracking on it. So I'm watching all these dots pop up and usually there'll be one or two, maybe three. I think the most I saw at one time, five dots would pop up. So you knew five people were looking at your um at, at my Kickstarter, but yet at the end of the day when I went home, so my wife and I went out to dinner, um, and I feel bad because it was her birthday dinner, and I want I had my phone hidden so hidden so I could monitor the map and see what, what when people were logging on, so I could kind of keep track of it. And then eventually she busted me and made me put my phone away, so I put it away and I didn't get to check on it till we got home. And when I got home, you know, I saw that a lot of people had clicked on it and went, but nobody had backed it, and I was very very depressed about it. Um, because you thought, well, that's it, you know, you, you know, is it, is it, is it the end of the, the game? No, but it's not good. You know, you've got an issue that people aren't backing this product initially. It's nice when things go viral. I mean, you hear these stories about different products and they just put up, someone will put up a clip. It's not even that polished. It's just like a test or something. And people go wild about the product and it goes viral. And that's your dream. That's your hope. And that didn't happen. People had looked at it. They weren't really sharing it. They weren't commenting. You know, everyone, a few people would like it. A few people had like, kind of like a, huh? Face, I think, or the, I don't know. Or, um, I don't know exactly what the, the, uh, some of these emojis mean. I don't know. Maybe it means I love it. I don't know. But the bottom line is I didn't feel very good, you know, going to bed. I had my issues about AMC kind of struggling or being manipulated and not getting my attendees from AMC. You know, the possibility of having to go back to work and having to, you know, deal with a full-time job again and losing some of the freedom and flexibility I had with my life that I had enjoyed. And then also this one product, this this Velf, which had sustained me for over a year. You know, for, for everything that I had that went wrong and was going bad, Always in my back pocket was, you know, hey, sure tape is looking at the Velf. There's always the Velf. There's the Velf. And then when that kind of petered out and wasn't really going to be an option, it was hard. One, you feel like you wasted a year, but also it's hard because you, you took away that option. And you and I really thought uh, that, you know, I'd go into the store and I'd see duck branded products and I'd get excited. And I think, oh, one day, one day my Velf will be up there with them. Um and I'd lost that. And then you think, all right, well, you know what? I'm a take charge guy. And I always say 
Life doesn't happen for the best. Life happens, and it's up to you to make the best out of it. And I thought, hey, I had my own ideas about the Velf since I had first submitted it to Sure Tape, and I never, I wasn't sure if they would actually use my ideas or how much influence I would have in the development of the product. And rather than feeling left out and them not listening to me, I was going to take charge of my product, and I was going to be able to make these decisions. And then if it was a success. Instead of getting a little, you know, 5%, 1% royalty, I own 100% of the Valve company, right? And then when you launch your Kickstarter and nobody backs it, and people click on the Facebook ad and nobody wants it, you know, you think, okay, you know, I might have overshot the runway here, and, you know, you need to get back to uh, reality. Um, it's funny, like I mentioned, you know, doing Instacart and... Like a lot of times I will be walking into a store and as I'm walking into the store, I'm looking at um, AMC stock, the ticker, just to see where it's at. And then as the closer I get to the store, I have to, you know, get out of my AMC fantasy world of going to the moon and getting my tendies and get back to the reality of, okay, now I got to start using the Instacart app and start shopping for somebody else and hopefully get a good tip out of it. So, um, it was hard. It, it, like I said last night, it was it was hard, and it's still hard now. I mean, look, one backer, great. Um, you know, I don't know if it's someone that was listening to this podcast. I don't know if they, you know, saw the Facebook ad or just we were on Kickstarter. But either way, I'm grateful for that one backer. Whether I'll get another one or not, I don't know. But at least, and I'm grateful that somebody engaged with the product. Whether they'll ever. You know, ask to get their free Velf and start using it. Who knows? Uh, probably not. My experience with that is when you engage with people, they don't really respond. But you never know. Um, so it did give me a little bit of, you know, help. Who knows? Maybe the Velf is not a great idea. Who, who knows? Maybe investing in AMC is not a great idea. But I can tell you right now, in my heart, I believe investing in AMC is a good idea. I cannot guarantee how it's going to turn out, but I'm invested in it, and I keep investing in it. And in my heart, I believe the Velf Every Room will one day be in every room. I think you just have to try it. The product is, I didn't invent Velcro. The product is, is, is really Velcro, which is used all over the world. It's the delivery system. It's how you use the Velcro. And I think that was that was what was missing. That's missing from how you use these products. That and I hopefully I can take advantage of that. It's it is a product that can be easily copied. And I, I have a patent pending, whether I can actually get the patent and enforce it, or whether people are just gonna knock it off anyway. But that's the importance of developing that brand, the Velf brand, the Velf attitude that, you know, there's always going to be facial tissue. You want Kleenex. There's always going to be flying discs. You want Frisbee. And that's the value you can bring to your product, hopefully, and establish that little brand. And that's my hope. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, good luck to everybody next week. Who knows? Maybe the next time you listen to the AMC Stock Story. That episode will be all about the mother of all short squeezes.